Brian, my man. Another fist bump here. Let's, Let's get go. it. Dude, so I appreciate you coming from Colorado. You got a pregnant wife at home. That just shows how committed you are. And uh, I'm all about your message, man. I'm all about what you do, endurance, right? I believe it bleeds into life, into business, into relationships. And I love your story because I believe in two things. Don't be fat, don't be poor, right? You can maybe be one of them. But for you, you went from sitting at a desk job, probably out of shape to now you're a top 5% Ironman endurance athlete. But what I find way more interesting is you build a community of high performing entrepreneurs. You've built a community of elite level athletes that can come together and push their mind, their body, and their relationships a whole different level, right? But I want to ask you here, what does it mean to be an Ironman? To be an Ironman means being the most disciplined, reliable, and capable person in every room that I'm in, physically hardened, mentally unshaken, and when I'm around, everyone knows we're going to be all right. Mm. Yeah, and when I texted you this morning, I was like, Dude, what a dope wife he has. She's pregnant. She's about to pop any day now, right? Coming in the last 30 days. But she's got to have that trust. And you guys got to have like that mutual trust and loyalty of like, yo, that just shows her that she can rely on a husband and a dad that's going to take care of the household, right? Doing endurance training, doing an Ironman, like, dude, you're exhausting your time, your energy, but in reality, you're not exhausting it, right? It's an opportunity, but most importantly, it shows people around you, all your relationships, your wife, your kid, your other relationships that, yo, I'm committed to you because I'm committed to myself, right? And I think that we have a big problem right now where most people are not committed to themselves, right? So how did you get... How did you get people in your community that you built that have may never been committed to themselves? They've never done sports. They've never ran a, a marathon or let alone a 5K. But then you've also had people that are very committed. They're breaking records, powerlifting. They're doing strongman competition. I mean, shoot, they might be a better swimmer than you. They might've won a state title in swimming. Or guess what? Maybe their business is a hundred times bigger than yours in terms of revenue. How are you, first off, getting them into this community, but how are they finding value in that community that you've built? Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think the first thing is that there's a massive energy paradox that most people miss. So when you get into Ironman training, you're pouring a lot of energy into the training, the time, the schedule, but 80% of that training is pretty light stuff. It's making you feel good. It's making you feel accomplished. And by pouring in your energy, you're able to get out a lot of energy and leave training sessions, show up every day, ready to attack in a different level than you are when you're not pouring into yourself like this. So that's kind of step number one. From the community perspective, we need to be around people that are pushing us. 
And we need to be around people that are continually leveling up what we are expecting of ourselves. If we aren't around other high performers, it's very easy for us to just gravitate towards the average, right? And one of the things that I like to instill in my folks is escape average and become savage. And savage is going to be a different identity for everybody. But ultimately, we've all got an internal drive to develop and to grow and to expand our influence. And endurance sports has been my way of tapping into that desire and really fulfilling that purpose within myself. And from a community perspective, it's become really successful for my people to surround themselves with other people who are doing similar things. So I've got one guy that I work with who's in Australia and I was training for a 70.3 in the fall and he had a 4,000 yard swim, biggest swim he's ever done in his life. And he gets in there and he says, in the first lap, his mind starts telling him to get out. And he how, starts, many, how many laps are in a 4,000? Oh man, a 4,000, uh, 100 plus. I don't know the math off the top of my head, but you're swimming for at least an hour. So he's 1% in this race. He's 1% into this training session in Australia. And he, his mind just starts telling him, you get, get out. You don't have to do this. You're not going to do this. This is hard. And he starts thinking about another guy on the squad in Massachusetts who's training for a totally different race but he's leaning on that sense of community to really ground himself in his highest desires and allow himself to be guided towards that higher purpose and that higher sense of fulfillment and get more out of himself. And what did he do? He finished the session. He walked out with more energy, felt accomplished and kept moving forward. And that's kind of what it's all about for me. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I got an inner tube around my stomach. So I think I'm going to be able to float in the water. <laughs> But what I will say is I think that most decisions, if not all of our decisions are based around fear, right? Shout out to our boy, Jay Azeltine. His, his whole message is, you know, fear is the compass, right? Actually leaning into that fear. But one thing that felt like weight off my shoulders was when you were explaining last night that, hey, a lot of people are coming to me or they don't do an Ironman because they're, they're scared of swimming, right? Or they've never bike that amount of that a time, right? Or they, they've never ran X number of miles. But I've noticed, at least with myself and most people, the swimming aspect is is not only difficult. I'm in Ohio, right? I was joking with you, there's actually not beaches here, believe it or not. But there's there's friction, right? I'm busy. There's a lot going on. How like I'm gonna drive to this gym that's 30 minutes away. Can I really swim in the ocean a couple miles or quarter of that, right? Depending on what type of race that they're doing. But what would you say for somebody that is fearful of specifically swimming? What if I could guarantee you that you wouldn't drown? What do you mean? Would that pique your interest? If I could say, hey, you're going to be okay. You're going to get into that water and you're going to come out alive and you're going to come out feeling confident. And if I had one simple trick to guarantee mm -hmm. that for you. You got my attention. Mm -hmm. All right, the wetsuit's the huge hookup. Most people think they're out there like grinding through the water, but once you get into a wetsuit, that thing keeps you at the top of the water. So that's kind of tip number one, or at least like little mental safety net. Yeah. Um, but in terms of getting to the pool and all those logistics, you know, that's a big barrier for people. 
a lot of people are in the routine of just, you know, they go to the gym at the same time. So, you know, the constant moving pieces of triathlon uh, is something complicated. Um, I got a guy in Cleveland right now. He's training for an Olympic, right? He's only doing four or five hours a week of training. He's going to the pool once a week. I got him using the pool buoy. So his butt's staying up near the top of the water the whole time. We're doing short sets, just really building confidence, right? Mm-hmm. All of endurance training, all of Ironman training to me is we want to set ourselves up to make progress and build confidence. And that guy, for example, Matt in Cleveland, he was a college athlete. Now he's in his late thirties. He's got two kids, hasn't been playing competitive sports for nearly 20 years. And in just two months of Olympic triathlon training, four to five hours a week, he's got more energy than he's had since college. He's saying that the workouts make him feel set up for success more than any of his collegiate training. Cause his collegiate training was just like, push, 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 go, go, go. Harder, the better, right? That kind of mindset. And so what a lot of people realize when they get into Ironman is that like, it's more about just developing the internal patience to get through the training sessions, right? It's not so much about hard effort. It's just about being able to mentally endure and get through the time of each session. That's kind of another little hack that shows up is a lot of training is time-based. So I'm not telling people to go out and run five miles. I'm telling them to go out and run for 45 minutes. Mm. And that just completely changes their perspective on how daunting the task is going to seem. It becomes a little bit easier to schedule, right? You know exactly how long you're going to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through those things, right, there are a lot of barriers to entry. People make Ironman this massive thing in their minds, and Ironman itself is huge. But triathlon can be anything from a sprint distance, which is, you know, you can complete that in about an hour and a half, two hours in the race. And ultimately we're just getting the body moving in ways that it feels great to move, right? You're changing up your training, you're doing swimming, you're doing biking, you're doing running, little weight stuff lifted in, uh, included in, right? A little bit of mobility, stretching, you're becoming a very well-rounded and balanced person. And you're having all these different disciplines to lean on, to practice in, to make a little bit more progress and ultimately build that confidence. Yeah, and one thing I like is investing and real estate and business, right? But I think there's a huge correlation and I haven't even ran an Ironman for the record. I've, I've never competed as an Ironman, but I'm, I'm seeing what you mean, right? It's like, oh, the swimming could be your stock portfolio. The running could be real estate. The biking could be your sales. Maybe you're very good at sales. So eh, we probably don't need to bike as much. So what you're doing is you're meeting your clients where they're at, right? And you're giving them an opportunity to remove the friction, to remove the fear, right? Now, obviously there's gonna be friction and fear and discipline and sometimes you're gonna have to do a lot of times, in fact, you're gonna have to do a lot of shit that you don't wanna do. But hey, Matt in in Cleveland, it's freezing outside. You're not gonna go to an outside pool, but yo, I can guarantee that you're not gonna drown. So if you have a hundred laps or you have one lap, you're not gonna drown. That's like investing. What if I could protect your capital against a real estate project. So if things go south, hey, at least your money's attached to a property. It's not attached to a cryptocurrency where people rug pull and steal your money, right? Or they invest it into a bad stock. So that's essentially what you're doing. And that's how I think of it is like, hey, investor, what if your money's protected by me, my entity, the property, but then focus on what you're also good at and focus on the circumstance, focus on the deal. 
hey, we're probably going to have to put way more time into biking and running with this guy, right? Or the inverse. This person needs to swim more, bike more, because if they run, they get a hip problem. And I'm not going to put this pressure that they got to go run a marathon before they compete. It's just, I got to get them to show up confident and healthy. And so that's one thing I love about how you're approaching the building, the community approaching the person that's coming to you saying, Hey, look, I'm interested. You got my attention is you're, you're not overwhelming them with fear. It's just, you're meeting them where they're at. Yeah. It maps really well to what you mentioned about investing, right? It's the long-term game. It's, you know, cutting off the mind from trying to jump to those immediate outcomes and it's buying into the process and putting in the reps. Um, and a big thing with triathlon, you know, as a coach is meeting the athlete where they are. You know, I just had seven guys that I ran Ironman Florida with back in November and six of them came from a competitive strength background. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these guys are, are elite level athletes, but in a totally different discipline. Yeah, now their, their endurance was like, being fasted, walking on an incline treadmill, right? Yeah, they're yeah, like, they're uh, doing 45 minutes of stairs every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, so like in that example, um, you know, it's very much about building confidence in the beginning, right? Like that type of athlete, they're not gonna be given the same kind of programming that somebody who's trying to, you know, qualify for a world championship is gonna get, right? They're gonna be set up for success by being like, hey, we're gonna get on the bike and we're gonna go ride outside for, for 90 minutes today. That's what we're gonna sort of start with, maybe even less, right? And that taps into the patient's perspective. You know, a lot of these guys, they're extremely strong, extremely powerful, elite performers mentally, physically, but their lifts happen in split seconds. Mm -hmm. And you can't make a 90 minute ride go by faster. And when we're getting to talking about Ironman, it's gonna be four hours, it's gonna be five hours if that's what you want to go do, right? One, I'm going to interrupt you really quick. One thing that I want to add to that is what I also love about the endurance training that I've personally experienced and I'm excited to get back into it is we live in a society now where everything is just instant gratification. You order your groceries, it's there. You order Uber Eats, it's there. You scroll through TikTok and you watch this clip, boom, everything's 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. In reality, the workout, the real work is like, no phone, no music, nothing, just me and my breath running down this trail for 45 minutes without grabbing your phone, without scrolling through Twitter, without getting distracted. And with those elite level powerlifters, kind of same thing, right? It's like, have you ever done anything for an hour straight where you've been focused, let alone four or five? So I wanted to mention that because those are like the intangibles that you can't really teach anyone and or you can share and be like, oh, I get it. Right, yeah, so I got two things coming off of that. So um, you mentioned no music, no headphones. So I got a guy, Jack, he's an elite sales rep down in Nashville. Um, and he was just telling me this week that he has fallen in love with doing endurance training without headphones because he finds that his mind gravitates to the end goal. It gravitates to what are we doing and why are we doing this? And that locks him into his purpose. If you're sitting on a bike trying to run and you got EDM music 
bopping your brain cells everywhere, you're not focused and you're not thinking about what you're getting out of this process and you're not developing as deeply as you can, right? Um, so that's kind of one direction. And then the other is that endurance training is a disruption strategy. And what I mean by that is we fall into these habits of getting every single thing on demand. We can get Uber Eats whenever we want. We can fire up anything we want on the TV. And all of a sudden, we start to react to things quickly, right? Our wife says something, we snap back. Our boss says something, you know, we get annoyed and maybe bitch to a coworker. And when you get into endurance training, it's a disruption strategy because it puts you in an environment that changes your thinking patterns. So all of a sudden you'll be on a four hour ride and your mind will start to look for things to jump at, right? React, break out of arrow position, stop pedaling, turn home. And by sitting in it and developing that patience, you find a little bit of flow, you get in touch with your body, you get in touch with your breath, you feel your core engaged, right? Now all of a sudden your thinking patterns are being reprogrammed. And through endurance training, now all of a sudden, maybe your boss says something to you and it's like, I don't know, man, I just rode five miles, five hours this weekend. I can handle a little bit of stress at work. I'm feeling the urge to, to jump on the TV, watch something, go distract myself. Oh, I can tap into my body a little bit and I can develop a little bit more patience. And now all of a sudden, maybe my wife asked me to do something and maybe I just changed my perspective and I just say, hey, I'm a little bit more capable. I'm a little bit more confident that I can deliver for her and I can bring some peace into my home, right? So endurance training and triathlon specifically, it's so much deeper than just doing big distances, right? It's going like deep within ourselves to become who we want to be because we're not gonna become who we wanna be without subjecting ourselves to training that will force us to become it. But what I will say is it allows you to order the groceries, order Uber Eats and put a Netflix show on and go, all right, I got those things done and you know, I'm not gonna just listen to my breath for four hours, but I will be on the bike and I'll order the Uber Eats, this, this and this, right? So I, don't, I also don't think you're saying that those things are necessarily bad to listen to music, to want to watch a movie while you're, while you're biking. It's just, now that's a great excuse to say, hey, you could still do those things, but now you're not going to feel guilty or shameful. You can still watch the show, but get on the bike for 30 minutes. Or, hey, maybe I'm going to test you a little. Turn the show off next time and don't do it inside on your Peloton. Go do it outside. Yeah, well, it allows us to be a lot more intentional and it allows us to be a lot more efficient. You know, this stuff is a time commitment and there's a lot of moving pieces. So, you know, if it is valuable for you to order your groceries on delivery, like let's jump on that, right? And if we want to de-stress by throwing on a movie, I was talking earlier about my wife and I love in Parks and Rec, like throw it on. But when I talk about it being a disruption strategy is it really makes it clear that, okay, well maybe we shouldn't have Parks and Rec on in the background all day because maybe that continual feedback of noise is actually creating a little bit of anxiety in the house, right? So you're totally spot on. I mean, it's not at all like a, this is bad. You shouldn't be doing this stuff. You have to be training focused hundred percent. But 
a lot of people that I work with just find that they become way more efficient with their time. They become way more disciplined on the things that they ultimately care about because they're set up to make distractions and make things that aren't serving them really apparent, right? Well, Ryan, everyone's busy. I'm busy, you're busy. The audience listening to this is busy. Whether they're not a high performer in terms of income or whether they are, or whether they're an elite athlete or whether they've never stepped their, their foot in the gym, what would you say is the time commitment for training for, uh, and I know it varies, right? A full Ironman versus 70.3, whatever. But in terms of getting started and really growing in this path, what, what, do, you th- what do you say is the, the average time commitment? Yeah, so you know, most people that I work with are doing 70.3s, which is a half Ironman. Um, And that is like anywhere from seven to nine or more hours of training per week, right? You know, if you want to be super dialed on your time stuff and you want to really shoot for a certain goal on race day, you know, more time will help you. But I've got plenty of people on seven, eight hour training plans, Um, you know, five days on, two days off, you know, maybe some two a days here or there, but for the most part, one training session. But I think the real difference in endurance is that like you're getting full value out of the training during every single minute, right? Like 60 minutes on the bike is 60 minutes of exercise. Whereas like a lot of people, 60 minutes at the gym is 15 minutes of lifting, 45 minutes of phone time. You know, the lifting isn't really focused and, you know, getting the most out of each rep. And that's another beauty of endurance is that like the low intensity stuff builds aerobic fitness that builds your base that strengthens your mitochondria, right? So I talked about that guy, Matt in Cleveland, like he's doing four or five hours a week because he's only doing an Olympic distance race, but he's feeling healthier than ever. And so like, if we do get into Ironman, that gets up to 12 hours a week, you know, could be more, but the big gap between the 70.3 and the Ironman is just that one of your weekend rides is gonna be five hours. So weekday sessions, you know, we're still talking 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Yeah, and, and maybe, right? Maybe uh, I would argue that to say that, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if you can't commit, what is that? I'm not a rocket scientist, less than 5% of your day as far as time. If you can't commit that to yourself, you're probably never gonna commit that to your significant other, your job, your business, the legacy that you're trying to create for, uh, you know, future generations, right? So. That's, that's the way I break it down. That's how half my brain works is like, look, no matter how busy you are or how busy you think you are, if you can't commit 5%, less than 5% of your day to do something for yourself that pushes you mentally and physically, you're never going to do that professionally or financially. Totally. And I think what a lot of people miss is that they elevate in every other area of life when they become really dialed on their training. So I got this girl... Katrina, she is training for 70.3 and she's a big sales exec and she's having to get up and swim before work. But then all of a sudden she's hopping on the phones feeling accomplished as hell. And she just wrapped up Q1 blowing the rest of her team out of the water because she's showing up in the morning for herself Sometimes she's riding in the evening, it's pitch dark out, she's running at night. Like she's pouring into herself, but she's getting a lot back and she's elevating professionally as a result of it. 
But I would, I would be more interested into hearing like what she's not doing because dude, it's hard to get up at four or five, six, seven AM. Especially if she's already crushing it. If she's already the top dog, right? She's like, what else do I have to prove in here? Right? Like how much more income is enough? How much more time do I really have? So I would be interested. Are there things that she's like not doing as much now that allowed her to not have to get up, but get and want to get up before work to get that swim in? Yeah. So that is one thing. That's probably, I'd say, one of the bigger obstacles with people in endurance is having the strength and conviction in themselves and their own mission to drop some of the dead time in life. It's really challenging. Um, I got a guy in Nashville with a good example, Jack. He's got Tuesday happy hour he's got to go to every week for work. Really important for networking, really important for excelling professionally. Margaritas are good. Margaritas are good. But he doesn't drink at them right now because he's got training in the morning and he's confident enough in himself to make that decision. He's convicted. And what you start to recognize is that a lot of people actually have these kinds of desires to get this type of stuff out of them. But for some reason, they're just lacking the confidence to really pull the trigger on the decision. And then all of a sudden you see someone at work like Jack and all of a sudden it's like, oh, damn, that's actually pretty cool. I actually don't really love waking up super hungover on a Wednesday midweek and having really crappy food all day because I'm kind of just making poor decisions left and right now. Right. So that's kind of the trickle effect that starts to happen. Um, and it's really cool because everybody on my team, I've got a wide variety of professionals, right? I've got everybody from $100 million entrepreneurs to sales execs to business owners, right? But everybody excels professionally because of how much they pour into themselves and because how efficient they become with their time. Like, sure, there's downtime, right? We can chill. We can watch Parks and Rec. We can do that. But we're not doing that ahead of the things that we truly desire and truly want to pull out of ourselves, right? Well, dude, what most people do is they do exactly what I did last night when we were, um, I'm gimping on the crutches on the way to uh, get, get in the car, is they talk about what they did. They talk about being the prom king and the high school quarterback. They talk about the 100-mile race that they did five, six years ago. Most people are not talking about what they're doing. They don't have a date on the calendar. So I believe it's the perfect excuse to say, hey, client, yeah, I'll still meet you at the happy hour. I'm going to have one drink, not seven. I can't have a drink because I got to get up and run 10 miles or an hour and a half or a swim, it's the perfect excuse without ruining those relationships with your significant other, the client, the boss, and you let these motherfuckers know. Like, I guarantee you, I made more money when I was doing endurance training because I was also building exactly what you said at the beginning, that commitment, that respect, Because I'm like, oh yeah, I'll still meet you there. But I'm operating on my own terms. I'm leaving at seven. I got this, this, and this. And then when you leave, damn, that guy's going to get up at like five. Hardest part's done. Now you get on the sales call. Sales call goes wrong or it goes right. You're like, yo, I've been here. I've been here before. 
I was just here when this person said no, when my legs were crushed halfway during the run, but I got through it, just make the next call. But then it also allows you to get the noise out without being mean. Like, no, I don't want to show up to that. It's more of, hey, I wish I could, I wish I could be there. Would love to hang out with you guys. It removes the toxic shit out of your life naturally. It's not that I don't like you, John. It's I'll know if I actually like you if you want to meet me at the park tomorrow and run five miles. We'll still shoot the shit. We can still watch the game after. But it gives you the excuse to remove that toxic stuff, doing it the right way. But it also puts a date on the calendar to say, this is what I'm aiming towards. Because we have dates on the calendar at our job and our businesses with our significant others, with our kids. But do we have a date on the calendar for ourselves? Yeah, it's such a great point. And um, it's so funny, right? Like if you're working in sales, like you got a quarterly quota, you got monthly metrics to hit, you got daily calls to do. And what do you do? You rise up, right? And you get it done. And endurance training and signing up for a race, it's an applied pressure, right? So that's the decision that we need to be making. As soon as we put that date on the calendar, you know, I love doing this stuff and I feel the same pressure that I did when I first got into it, right? It's like, oh shit, <laughs> judgment day is coming. I better be ready. And all of a sudden actions, daily habits, behavior changes. And you touched on a great point, right? Like it does become a nice excuse. Like if you are somebody who wants to prioritize your health, you're gonna get a lot of judgment from the rest of the world that is not prioritizing their health, which is pretty much everybody right now, right? So if you want to become the rare breed, right? If you want to escape average and become savage, like let's be honest about it. We could use a little bit of help from a date on the calendar saying, hey buddy, I'd like to meet you out and I'd like to go, you know, slam shots all night, but I'd also like to go cross this Ironman finish line. And I'd like to go see what the hell I'm capable of because there's some kind of voice in my head that's telling me I got something special in me and I gotta have the courage to provide the constraints to pull it out. Yeah, talk about, talk about courage, talk about the, um, cause you guys just had a race, right? Where coming back to like those seven guys or eight guys. Um, what I love about endurance training, you know, growing up, I was the short fat kid. I always got compared playing basketball too short coach doesn't like me I'm a hothead that I fell in love with running because I'm like yo there's there's no excuse it's a, it's literally you versus you right it, it's you versus you sure can there be some elements like your shoes or you twisted your hand? yeah no 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 it's you versus you but what I love the community aspect yeah it's you versus you it's individual but there is still kind of like that group group dynamic I want you to Share a little bit about that. It's 11.56 p.m. The Ironman finish line closes at midnight. Adam, 270 pounds, is half a mile from the finish line. He hasn't peed since 8 a.m. The aid stations have been taken down. The volunteers aren't on the course but there's more than one set of footsteps. The rest of the tribal training team has gone out onto the course 
and is running side by side with Adam as he closes down an Iron Man. He comes down the finishing chute. Mike Riley, the voice of Iron Man, is standing there, high fives him. We've got all seven other athletes waiting to cheer Adam on as we cross side by side. We got 20 family members who all came down, hooting and hollering, crying. Music is blasting and lives are being changed. The biggest misconception about endurance is that it's a single person sport. You need to lean on other people to get the most out of yourself. And by suffering and endurance, we sink right into deep connection. Shared suffering, perseverance, you know it. You've run 100 miles. Our brains connect because we've done stuff like that, right? That's what endurance is to me. Surrounding yourself with people who want to chase similar goals, who will support you, who you can support, so we can all play different roles within the tribe to pull the most out of ourselves. Oh, let's go. Let's go, brother. Dude, I'm like tearing up. I got chills, man. Let's go. My heart is pumping. Oh, let's go. Damn. I need a breather on that one. Dude, I love it because as an entrepreneur, a businessman, an investor, uh, you know, I've learned that you can go somewhere fast alone, but you can go far with others, right? And so I still do believe that it's individual. It's you versus you. But yo, it's way more fun and you can go way fucking farther with other people. So one of my non-negotiables, dude, in life and business moving forward if you're not doing endurance training, fuck you. I don't want to be affiliated with you. It's because I know when deals go wrong and business is down and we're having a hard day, we're still going to finish the fucking race. We're still going to get the deal to the closing table. We're still going to get the sales revenue numbers where we need to get it, no matter what. But if this person's never done it for themselves, they're never going to do it for the business, for the clients, for the investors. And so if you've never ran in the trenches alone and got yourself across the finish line, then you're never going to want to do it with me. But if I know you've done it and you know I've done it, oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. No doubt. We're going to cross before midnight. So shout out to Adam, 270 fucking pounds. He was a strongman competitor too, right? Like competed in a strongman show in February and we got him to the finish line in November. His resting heart rate dropped 30 beats over the course of those eight to 10 months. What does that mean? So Adam was his strongest that he's ever been in February. February of uh, 2023? 2022. Okay. That was a test. Yeah, I'm glad I passed it. (laughs) Adam was his strongest he's ever been, but his blood pressure was through the roof and his resting heart rate was 79. He was eating too many eggs. Something like that. (laughs) Eight, 10 months of Ironman training, dude. His resting heart rate comes down to 49. 
right? Like we can also talk about, you know, the endurance and the mindset and all this kind of stuff. But like, at what point do we need to be physically healthy to be here for a long time, right? Like, I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to be able to play with my grandkids. I want to be alive and around for my great grandkids, right? And we need to be moving our body if we expect to do that, right? So that's a whole nother level of endurance that, you know, most people ain't tapping into and walking 2000 steps a day. Like, let's get the body moving. Let's get the heart pumping. So when he drops his, um, what's, uh, resting heart rate, resting heart rate. I mean, you just added years to his life. When, when I say like, what does that mean? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is 79 to 49 good? 79 to 49 is a massive drop. Yeah. It's, so, you know, a decade to his life. Yeah. And so if you have a 79 resting heart rate, we're not saying that, you know, you're going to die tomorrow necessarily. Uh, and, and maybe that's just based on what they're training for and, and, and their cardiovascular is, is not uh, what it needs to be based on their current lifestyle and their goals, right? But what you are saying is you don't also need to go out there and suffer and break your bones and have your heart rate through the roof and, and suffer in a way that your, your health is significantly declining like people that are doing elite level powerlifting, taking steroids or doing strongman, which look, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I actually probably want to get on my first cycle because I'm like, dude, I just got to fucking look ridiculous one time and then, then I'll go back to endurance. But what you are saying is you're pretty fucking data driven too, to be like, yo, Adam and other people that are listening to this or in your community, like, Dude, that is the difference of when you saw your dad not be able to play with you. That's actually your problem, Adam. That's why you started strongman competition, how you push yourself because you had this trauma as a kid with your dad. And by the way, I don't even know Adam. So that's not, that's not the story here and that's not the facts. But in reality, that's him crossing the finish line. In reality, the next person that's like, oh, yo, my real problem, why I wanted to test myself in my business, in my life, is this trauma. So you're giving these people this intangible, you can't explain it, it's really hard to sell, it's really hard to, to comprehend until you do it. But yo, dude, you're doing this other side, which I love as an investor. Hey, person listening to this, what if we're able to guarantee you're not gonna die in the fucking water? Now, if a shark bites you, sorry. Number two, what if we're able to drop your resting heart rate which based on data and studies, it increases your lifespan, your overall lifestyle. You can play with your kids, your grandkids, et cetera. So you're approaching this from a very data point as well. And you're meeting them where they're at. Yeah, there's a really cool um, aspect to my community. We've got a very wide variety of athletes, right? Adam is part of a group. They call themselves B-Team. They say, we might not be first. We might be last but we're damn sure we won't quit. And that is totally true of all those guys on that squad. Um, and then we've got guys who, you know, are competing for world championship slots. And no matter where you are in that spectrum, there's extremely data-driven health benefits. The mindset benefits really cross over across any level of competitiveness, right? Um, and yeah, it reminds me, you know, you're more finance oriented, right? So it kind of makes me think about compound interest, 
right? Like when I say that your resting heart rate is dropping 30 beats and adding a decade to your life, like you tell me, like what does that kind of map to on putting money towards an investment property? That's the equivalent of buying one single family home worth 200,000 versus having a $30 million, 108 unit apartment complex. Boom. So if you do an Ironman, you have a 108 unit, $30 million deal. Guaranteed. Just kidding. But one thing I love about you, dude, is like you have no ego. I noticed from right out the gate, no ego. So whether somebody is elite and better than you, because you're top 5%, you're that motherfucking guy, right? But you know, if there's somebody better than you, your community and the accountability can get them just a little better, not just on the course, but in life. You were sharing people who are becoming best friends. Their wives are becoming best friends. It gives them an excuse to travel, to go to a state they've never been to or country they've never been to. And that might be the best vacation or trip they've ever done. So there's way more layers to this than just saying that you stop eating Lay's potato chips and you started running or you're already doing it. You're already about that life lifting weights. You're the top dog, but it's a different tool in the toolbox for that person. And they don't even realize until they're done with the race. Holy shit. All my relationships are better. And I just met my best friend because everyone out there, they didn't get there by mistake. The person you're lining up next to, like there's a high chance they're a top one and uh, top 1% income earner. There's a high chance the person to the left of you has a great relationship with their significant other. And there's deals being made. How is this going to help me, Ryan? By doing an Ironman, how is Tyler Bosetti going to make more money? Yeah, well, you hit it the nail on the head. I mean, the average Ironman finisher is a top 5% income earner in the country. Kind of maps to what we were saying earlier about efficiency, being disciplined, understanding how to pour energy into something to get energy back, right? So there are guys on my team, I mean, multiple million dollar businesses, entrepreneurs who are meeting each other and they're all of a sudden starting to collaborate on projects. They're working on things together. They're creating new opportunity out of nowhere. I think that that's a big thing within endurance and within the community that I've built. You know, it's not necessarily always I have this, so I'll sell you this. It's more about we both have something pretty dope. And we both know that our mindset is on lock. So let's see what we can do if we can team up and bring something to life here. And not every deal, every relationship, professionally or personally needs to be this way. Just speaking on my experiences, I can tell you right now that I don't necessarily need to know anyone else to, to hit my professional and financial goals in life. I've, I've built the framework the last decade. I've gone to the masterminds. I've read every book that you need to read. I've networked. But there's a lot more people that I want to know. And so by nature, what's going to happen is I'm going to connect with these people in your community and go, well, I used to do business with John Smith over here on these specific real estate projects, but I just met this other guy. He can invest the same amount of money or I can invest into his deals. I like him more. We could talk about a deal while we're shitting our pants during the last couple miles. 
I just trust them more or I like them more. And so having events myself, mastermind events, coaching programs, those different things, dude, relationships, infinite return, right? But what if it's infinite return you like that person versus, yeah, don't really care about their personal life. Do they really push themselves? We just don't really align fully with values. I think that's one thing that your community offers that literally no other community offers. Everybody has a mastermind event that you can go and you can network and you can do more deals and you can whatever. With yours, that just happens by nature and those deals are even better than what the spreadsheet can show. Well, it's all built on trust to me, right? Endurance sports forces you to learn to trust yourself. It develops the discipline. You start keeping your word to yourself and you surround yourself with people doing the same. You mentioned last five miles of the Ironman, shit's coming out of every hole you got, right? You know that that person is unwavering in their commitment to themselves. They're honest, they're dependable, and they're reliable, just like you have become through training. And that is ultimately what I have found within myself, right? My life experience has been determined by my mindset and endurance saved mine. I used to bitch, I used to moan. I used to shake out on shit that I said I'd do. And once I put that date on the calendar, some kind of beast inside of me just started to talk a little louder, started to direct my action a little bit more, started to be around people who act the same way. I'm like, oh shit. I don't have to be average at everything. I don't have to be complacent. I don't want to be, but I felt okay to be it for some reason. And endurance kind of unlocked that for me, right? And put me around people who made that normal and who like elevated my expectation of myself. Yeah, and I think you're just bringing an interesting dynamic. Like when I think of myself getting back into like the endurance training, I get back into like a, uh, I'm a big believer in the dark and the light. Mm -hmm. Right. First chapter of my book is night vision. In order to see the light, you got to be in the dark. Right. So for me, I, I have this direct connection of like pain and suffering, which is good. But now I'm in the, uh, we don't, we don't got to stay there too long. We can have a lot of fun as well. So I think that's an interesting dynamic that you're bringing to this as well Is like, sure, your legs are going to hurt. There's going to be things that you don't want to do, but it can be a lot of fun. We could be texting each other about the UFC fights, about the game, about what it's like to be a father, right? To be a significant other, how your job is. But one thing, uh, so something I was thinking about was why there's so much information online, all these free resources, YouTube videos, there's other people like yourself putting content out there that's teaching people how to run properly, what bike to get. There's all this free information. Why would somebody pay you money if they can just find that information online? Better yet, why would people that are already competing want to pay you money when they know all that information already? Right. Yeah. So two things, really. 
community support and speed to execution, right? Surrounding yourself with people who are doing similar things to yourself provides a sense of comfort, a sense of security, right? We all have survival needs, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes Ironman training sucks. And it really helps to know that it's sucking for someone else too. Someone that you know, someone you're hopping on Zoom calls with, you're texting with, and knowing that you're both pushing through it and you're both getting more out of yourselves. The other thing is speed to execution, right? So I got a guy on my team who is a much faster swimmer than me. He swam in college. He's way more technically sound than I am. Knows more about swimming than I do. But it's the combination of everything in endurance, right? What kind of trainer do we need to get for the indoor rides? How do I learn to run? I've only ever just run hard. Running's supposed to hurt, right? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to eat before I train? It's important to drink water before I go on a run. What do I eat after I train? Mm -hmm. How do I fit this massive goal into my life? Right, so these are the kinds of questions that people are faced with when they get into endurance. Yeah, and really what you're doing is you're, you're collapsing the time and you're accelerating like, yo, I've been doing this for five years. If you don't know how to hydrate properly or this or that, like you're collapsing the time. You're onboarding them properly to say, you know, you need the A to Z. Yeah, and just understanding each athlete's needs, right? Like those B-team guys who came from strength shows in February, it's like, just get on the bike. Mm -hmm. Just ride. Mm -hmm. Go ride. You got a trainer. It's nice out now. It's March, it's April, whatever. Go ride. Catch you in the pool a little bit. Don't worry about form just yet. Don't worry about drills. Here's how you breathe. You got to exhale underwater, right? Run in on a big frame, 270 pounds. Uh, let's just start with getting a lot of steps. Start with hitting 15K steps a day. Let's build that durability. So these are the kinds of solutions that I've only acquired through experience, right? You can go online and say how to run for an Ironman and you're going to be overwhelmed with information. You're not going to have a clear understanding of your starting point versus that starting point. And you're going to fall into analysis by paralysis, right? And by jumping into my community and, you know, working with me to do something like this, it allows you to just focus on executing yourself, believing in yourself, and giving yourself proof that you're capable of doing something crazy like this. Mm -hmm. We don't need to waste our time in the minute details. We don't need to major in the minors, right? We can get to the calorie targets for race day and all that stuff. But listen, we're 10 months out. <laughs> have a couple of bananas before you go out for a run, right? Let's just start there. Um, so that's the kind of mindset that I like to bring into it. And I mean, I ultimately think that endurance is for everybody. Like everybody can benefit from the physical performance, the mental development. And so my whole goal is to meet somebody where they are and remove as many barriers to entry as possible. You want to cross a finish line? I will get you there. That's how I like to think about it, right? And that's how I position my program, my community. Um, and that's really what it's all about for me, right? Because once you've crossed that finish line, I mean, you tell me, I know your one mile loop story. What did it feel like crossing that finish line? Like, how did it make you feel about yourself? What did it change in you? A lot. 
definitely. Uh, the one mile loop story for those that do not know, a mile 78 in, broken, left foot swollen, right hamstring ripped off the bone. I'm in the med camp. I look over and I see this, this veteran, He's probably in his 80s, 100-mile race, 24 hours, 3 a.m. in the morning. It's freezing cold. And the World War II vet says, we got another one. Nah, motherfucker, you got the wrong one. There's over 100 people that started the race. And you're lining up, looking left to right. Man, can I do this? These people look like they're in better shape than me. But I knew at that moment, I control the number one most valuable piece of real estate, which is right between your ears. And so for me, it made me understand that, okay, the person that's been doing sales for 10 years, the guy to the left of me at the race that's done this before, and the person to the right of me, I'm not worried about them. I'm running my own race. So when I got my ass off of that chair and said, nah, we're tightening the shoes up. We just got to keep going around this one mile loop, in and out, in and out. It made the sales call easier. Just one more sales call. A hurdle comes my way. Just one more mile loop. But most importantly, you just, boom, you go dark. You don't listen to the person, which that veteran could be somebody's boss. You listen to yourself. You talk to yourself and say, nope, just one more loop. And so it changed a lot for me. It built the foundation of the confidence, the certainty. What do you believe is the biggest mistake that people usually make when it comes to endurance? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to spin this real quick because I want to riff off something that you just said. Running your own race is possibly the most important concept to adopt across all of life. Mm-hmm. Like... You had your own goal, you had your own pacing, you had your own process towards execution, right? And way too many people are not defining their own goals and running their own race. They're just looking around saying, I don't know, that guy's doing that, so that looks pretty good. Those are the sales numbers that my boss told me about, so I don't know, that looks like the bar to me. Yeah, and to add to that as well, it was coincidentally top of Big Bear Mountain. I think it's like 10,000 feet elevation. First time I've ever experienced elevation. Yo, I'm from Cornfield, Ohio, baby. Let's go. And I look down and my fingers are swollen. I'm running with, you know, at the time was essentially like one of my coaches, mentors, right? Great friend. But the reason why I was in that position, the last 25% of the race can barely breathe. Am I even going to fucking finish this race and meet the time? I was running somebody else's race. This person was dragging me behind. But most importantly, when I crossed that finish line, three days later, I went in and I I quit my job. Mm. Right? I I went in and said, nah, when I ran the the 100-mile race, the one-mile loop, 
I just had to keep going. That took me from being eh at my job to the fastest growing mortgage loan officer in the entire country. But then when I ran that next ultra, I left the whole industry because I wanted to start building what I, I'm building now. But those decisions to go in there and make that extra call to be the number one fastest growing, but then to also leave, that decision was made when I was in the fire of that race. Don't care about my foot. That's going to go away. The real pain is not my broken foot. It's I got to go back on Monday and be around the same people with the same problems. Mm. And I'm like, yo, this is average. And I don't want to be average. Yeah. You know, to me, that just comes down to having the courage to put yourself in a position where you will pull more out of yourself than you would in another spot, right? Um, By setting yourself up to do that, you completely change the trajectory of your life, right? Um, And that reminds me, I was... I was doing my first 100K. I was at the last aid station. 10 miles to go. The time cutoff is ticking down. All I want to do, dude, is sit down, lay down, get a bite to eat. Just give me five minutes. Just give me 10 minutes. Come on. And I get to the aid station, and one of the volunteers there, he says, no, 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 no. Do not stop. It's like, if you stop, you're not going to want to get up. You need to keep going. And then he delivered a line that I'll just never forget. He said, it hurts the same whether you go fast or slow. So you might as well go fast. And to me, that maps to what you're saying about your professional life, right? You could have arrived at those decisions in years, in decades, but you moved quickly to it, right? You felt the urgency. You knew that showing up on Monday, oh, it's going to hurt. I don't want to do that. And you knew that every Monday beyond that, if you went slow, would hurt. So you just ripped the Band-Aid off, right? Mm -hmm. And I love the polarity between that and the way that endurance training is, right? Because endurance training is slow. It's patient, right? It's sitting in with our feelings, letting our emotions flow over us, right? Not being reactive. But it also instills a confidence where it's like, listen, what we want to do, the goal that we have, that voice in our head, getting to that spot is going to hurt no matter how long this process takes. So let's just fucking send it, right? And that makes me just think about how you just progressed and look at where you are now, dude. Likewise, man. Yeah, and the real pain is not the the race. The real pain is staying in that job, staying in that relationship, staying in that negative pattern, those negative thoughts. But I am going to come back, and I do want to know what's what's uh, what are usually like common mistakes that you know. Look, wise men learn from other men's mistakes. So whether somebody is a better swimmer than you and they, they've already done, you know, some competitions um, or whether they're just getting started. What are some like common mistakes that you see when it comes to endurance? Yeah, I would say that like day to day, just a lack of preparation can really screw somebody. Mm-hmm. 
Like if you got to get to the pool in the morning, like let's set our bag out the night before so that we're removing friction to get the process started. You know, most people are used to just leaving the office, showing up to the gym, doing whatever. And there's too many moving pieces in Ironman training, triathlon endurance training to go about it with the same mindset. So to me, it's always making sure that like my athletes are prepared for whatever the training session is. They've laid the foundation, the setup, right? So that they can just go in and just focus on getting it done. Like I've had times where it's like, I gotta go on a run. And if I'm not prepared, I'm spending 20 minutes running around the house, finding my shoes, getting distracted, thinking that I don't wanna run, delaying the process. It's just all mental energy that we're just wasting, right? Mm -hmm. And when you get into endurance, you get dialed up a little bit. It's like, oh shit, take 30 seconds, put my pool bag out the night before. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up at 5 a.m. to go swim, I grab it and go. So we talk about efficiency, right? Getting better with your time, being more intentional. These are the intangibles that most people totally miss. Most people just think about the total time commitment to swimming, biking, and running, and that is obviously important. But it's these minute details that when not properly dialed, you can really miss out on the mindset of Ironman, right? Like you can do an Ironman or you can become an Ironman. Like we want this finish line to radically change how we think about ourselves and how we attack life. And so we do need to be intentional about how we go about this and how we think about our training and how we remind ourselves of our commitment. So let me ask you again, what does it mean to be an Iron Man? I'll give you a different answer than I said to start the show. To be an Iron Man means that I am capable of everything that I believe I can do. And it makes me continually elevate the bar of what I ask of myself. Chop that one up. Fucking fire, bro. Anything else you want to share? That was great. I had a fucking phenomenal time, dude. You had me like almost in some tears and emotions going. Yeah, dude. No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. I would love to hear some financial advice from you, actually. Um, you know, I'm a small business owner here left my corporate job less than a year ago. So, you know, somebody like me, I'm big on pouring back into myself, my business, investing in mentors, coaches, education. How would you think about investing maybe more long-term or balancing that with short-term progress? Yeah, I laughed because this is my disclaimer, this is not financial advice so I can't give you technical financial advice. Get out of your own way. Mm. It's the same philosophy that it is when you're doing endurance, when you become an Iron Man. A lot of times what you're doing, you're just getting people out of their own way. Same thing with money. Money is just currency. It's just energy. So, Number one, it's, it's a mindset when it comes to money. Money is debt. That's a topic for another day. That's how the banks work, right? They print this fiat currency out of thin air. But also money is time. Really, when it comes to reaching financial independence, financial literacy, it's time 
and money. I'm big into getting mentorship and coaches and blah, blah, blah. Probably what you're asking is, hey, Tyler, if I have $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars, what do I do with it? You get out of your own way and go, number one, what do I actually want to do with this? I think a lot of people lose perspective on the spreadsheet to see that this is going to bring me the highest return on investment. You can't measure a 20% return on investment versus a 10% return on investment. And that 10%, which is half, made your life way better because it was significantly less time. You didn't have to go figure out how to buy the investment property, Ryan, and know what it's like to number one, do you even know what a good deal is? Do you know how to get a property in contract to closing? Oh, and by the way, if you're not hydrated in a race, you're going to get crushed. By the way, if you don't know 14 days into the contract, you sign something wrong, you may not get to the closing table. But what if you could get involved investing in the real estate passively? And you go, okay, when it comes to money, whether it's 10,000, 100,000, a million, first and foremost, you need to know how to make it you need to know how to keep it and you need to know how to compound it. So I believe no matter what dollar amount that you have, can we use this to make more? Can we put this back in the business? We know if we run ads, we're going to 2X every dollar we put in. We know if we have this event, there's probably going to be 200 people that show up and pay X amount for the ticket. So number one is a lot of people try to go to step three. They try to compound it. Dude, you don't even know how to grow your fucking business and make more revenue. So let's start there. Then you start making some money. There's this thing called taxes. That's how we keep it, right? How do we keep it? But then also, how do we keep it with the most amount of time? Some, some people I know, they're like, yo, I don't care how much tax I pay or compound it. I just love my business. My household is better because most relationships fail because of finances. They get a divorce and they lose even more. Half of it goes to the spouse. Their kids hate them. So what if you could just say, eh, I'll give a little bit more to the IRS this year. Eh, I won't compound it at a 12% return year after year. But man, I know when I pour the money into my business and myself, there's data that says I do have a 20% growth in my income year after year and you are keeping it and you are compounding it because your relationship with your wife is better. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's a whole mindset around money. What is it? Why is it important? But in reality, it's how do you make it? You make it by getting a skill set, right? You make it by being able to monetize your time. Then you're like, yo, dude, I don't have much time. I'm pouring in all my clients. Dope. Go passively invest with somebody else. Well, real estate, it's a hard asset. There's tax advantages. Meet a guy like me. You own a part of the deal with me. Here's my track record. By human nature with high performers, we want to do everything, right? And I'm not discouraging people to not go buy the investment property themselves and learn how to get it to the closing table. But ask yourself why. Why do you want 100 doors? Why do you want to get in real estate? You want 
more fucking money, right? Or you want to keep it or you want to compound it somewhere safely. That, that's why. But there's a reason why 90% of people don't own rental property because they usually screw up the first deal and they're scared. Or they actually just figure out why millionaires have real estate in their portfolios. They go, oh, my buddy John's been doing it for 10 years. I just passively invest with him. There's 900 ways to train for an Ironman. There's 900 ways to do a real estate deal. There's 900 ways to invest. So you got to figure out what's, what's your values and beliefs. What empowers your life, right? And then from there, the options are endless. So that's the first question you have to ask yourself. How do I make it? Okay, now I'm making it. How do I keep it? Taxes. How do I compound it? Got to invest, right? And, uh, and last but not least is when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to money in general, people are victims. Well, the school didn't teach us. They don't teach us about this. No one taught you how to do your first Ironman. No one taught anyone anything other than just giving it a shot, building relationships. People think of money and they fear it. So they run away from it. They think of an Ironman and swimming, but now they're going to do an Ironman because they can guarantee they're not going to drown. So for me, it's, if you could essentially guarantee you're not going to lose money because it's going into the skill set that you know how to make it, let's start there. Then you need to dive more into the fire, build more relationships, passively invest, and that's going to allow you to bring in that income. You don't want 100 doors. You want $10,000 of passive income. Here's how. You can invest 100000 with me every couple of years or whatever, and then you're going to get a check every quarter, and you get the tax advantages alongside me, so uh, for the listeners here, I'll be breaking down topics around money and mindset. Love the question though, but it's no different than anything in, in life or business when it comes to money, right? Values and beliefs. Hopefully that answers your question. Boom. Yeah, that was dope. Do you, uh, do you invest yourself now? Like what do you, what are you doing to make, keep, compound your money? Are you in that spot right now that the, the business is growing, that you're, you know, you got a kid on the way. So you're probably starting to think about those things, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, most of my investment up until, uh, I guess this point was more in line with my corporate career and sort of standard trajectory of 401k, stock options, that kind of stuff. Um, as I've transitioned to entrepreneurship, it's, you know, shifting the mindset to realize, okay, I can invest in my skills and I can increase my earning capacity by becoming more capable, helping more people, solving more problems, right? Um, and yeah, with the kid on the way, um, shout out to uh, my wife, Chelsea, mentioned her a couple of times in the beginning. I didn't quite give her the love. Uh, do want to make it clear if, if the baby was coming, I wouldn't be here, but she promised me she'd be squeezing for a couple of days. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's just where my mind's at, at it, you know, um, um, I'm trying to just become elite in every single category of my life, right? And I've sort of figured out the Ironman stuff and I figured out the endurance um, and um, I'm working on other boxes next, right? Yeah, look, there's no perfect way to train for an Ironman. There's no perfect way to invest. So that said, I do believe in three things, information, land, and law. Back to biblical times, it essentially was, yo, you own land, 
you make the law and you control the information, right? So even, even with money, how do we make it? How do we keep it? How do we compound it? Get the right information. What is money? What's fascinating to me, the same people that say they didn't teach us about money in school, you never thought about learning what it is. This is what you're exchanging 40 hours of your week to go get. How do you not know what money is? How do you not know how to invest it? That said, I don't think there's the perfect way to do it. There's not, you put 5% into a retirement account, 5% into a solo 401k that's designed for entrepreneurs to have tax advantages or into this insurance whole life plan. What I believe in when it comes to the money and investing is feeding the beast. Mm. The beast for me is real estate. It's my skill set. It's ultimately what I'm trying to accumulate the most of. So I believe in stocks. I believe in dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500, which has a track record of doing a damn near you know, double digit returns. And you can just set up a Charles Schwab account and just automatically have your money go into an S&P 500 and buying it at X amount every day, week, month. I believe in traditional retirement accounts. What most people don't realize is one, that you can do that. It's really that simple. But two, they're not feeding the beast. They just know that most millionaires have real estate in their portfolio. Why? It's just a tactic that they can keep and compound their money because of the massive tax advantages that real estate provide, provides to active and passive investors. In reality, that's allowing them to grow their business or spend more time with their wife, their family. That's feeding the beast for them. They think it's saying that they have 100 doors. Nah, nah, nah. You just need 10 grand extra a month so you can go live this lifestyle that you're trying to live. So feeding the beast is what I recommend that people need to understand. For you, it could be a retirement account where you don't have to rely on anyone. Or it could just be your business. It could be stocks. It could be crypto. But for me, I leverage all of those to accumulate more real estate. If Bitcoin is up 100% this year, you best believe I'm going to take some profits and buy more future income, which is real estate, which is passive income, which ultimately buys me time. This is an endurance game. To build wealth takes time. Yeah, I love what you said about uh, feed the beast. I think to feed the beast, you got to build the beast and you got to become the beast. And it's cool to see that from kind of a top level down. Um, I feel like I'm in process on that. I have become the beast in some ways. I want to get more beastly for sure, no doubt. Um, but no, that's a cool way to think about it. I appreciate it. Yeah, time, money, and then leverage. So for you, one thing that is phenomenal for guys like me that's trying to figure out how endurance and doing an Ironman is going to better my pockets, it's like the leverage aspect being able to leverage other people's money and other people's time, right? When you understand that game, then you can feed the beast, then you can build generational wealth and have a legacy to pass on to your kids, right? So specifically to give, I guess, you some, and I put in quotes for those not watching the video here, financial advice is leverage. Mm -hmm. Yo, I trust this person because they crossed the finish line. Our boy, Adam, maybe he becomes a real estate investor. Maybe he already is. Yo, I've seen him put, I trust him with my money. I'll just passively invest with him. Leverage. 
us guys that are high performing, that are beasts, we try to do everything by ourselves. Sometimes it's good. You can get somewhere fast. You can learn really quick. Nah, I'm not doing real estate anymore. I'm going to do, I'm going to trade. I'm going to do crypto. I'm going to do options, whatever it is, right? But it's also a leverage game as well. It's leveraging other people's time, other people's money. Dude, appreciate you coming on, bro. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, anything else I uh, can help you with? Uh, no, dude. I feel like this was a great opportunity. Got to share a little bit of my message. Thank you for uh, letting me shout out some of my people, yeah. some of my community. Um, thank you to Zach for setting this up. Yeah, you got some uh, public speaking coming up as well, right? Yeah, I'm speaking at the Do Hard Things Conference in yep. August. Super excited. What's the topic going to be? Um, we're workshopping it a little bit. Okay. We're going to hold on to what that one is. There's a lot of different directions I can go. Um, I'm not going to hold any punches, but uh, I'm not going to reveal what's under the gloves there just yet. Go. Okay. All right. I love it. Well, dude, I'll have, uh, for those listening, you know, where to find you. You're very active on Twitter. Is there anywhere else that you want people to go to check you out and get in contact with you? Uh, yeah. The best spot would be my website, uh, traintribal.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, on Twitter, the Ryan Dreyer. You'll link them. Um, you check out tribal training online. You'll, you'll find it. And you'll see my people hyping it up and uh, doing some big things. Let's go. All right, dude, we're going to do this again. So for those listening, Ryan's coming back. We don't know the exact day yet, but tune in. If you like this episode, hit up Ryan. Let him know that you're ready to do an Ironman because I sure as hell am. Peace.